Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. You know, you ever have one of those mornings where just something doesn't work for no reason? That seems to be what's happening here this morning with the, with the camera. So I'm going to try to bring us back to something here, do my best to bring us back and maybe bring me back uh, to a state of what I hope would be a worshipful kind of open-hearted mindset. Uh, around thinking about the scriptures. And so I am going to read a psalm for us this morning. And it's, a, it's a bit of a longer psalm. And, um, but uh, here's what I would like you to do. Whether you are here or you're at home, I encourage you to listen to the words of this psalm from the psalmist David. Okay? And as I read it, um, what I would like you to do is to, to just be aware of a word or one of the statements, just one. This is a prayer practice, actually. So you can grab a word that you hear. Maybe it's a theme of the, of the psalm. Maybe it's just one of the lines. And, wh- and when you find that word, then I just actually want you to think about that. What will God want you to see in that word? What do you think we're going to talk about people that missed seeing what was right in front of them? And so this is part of what I want us to do is to just think about what would God want you to see? What might God be asking you to seek in that word? Okay? And, and in doing so, this is a practice of just opening ourselves up to the potential that God may be trying to remind us of something new. Okay? So I'm going to read this and uh, you, you pick the word. And, and honestly, it's like you're one When you find the word, or the line that you think God is wanting you to hear this morning, you don't have to listen to the rest of the psalm that I'm reading. You can just think about that word. What does that mean? Or that, that statement. What does that mean to you? Okay? Here's how it goes. Psalms David says, Oh my soul, bless God. From head to, to toe, I'll bless his holy name. Oh my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, every one. He heals your diseases, every one. He redeems you from hell. He saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. He, shows, he showed Moses how, how, it, how he went about his work, opened up his plans to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love 
for those who fear him. And as far as the sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. As parents feel for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out, keeps, keeps in mind that we are made, keep, keep, keeps in mind that we are made of mud. Men and women don't live very long. Like flowers, they spring up and they blossom, but a storm snuffs them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show for where they were. God's love, though, is never, is ever and always eternally present to all who fear him, making everything right for them and their children as they follow his commands or his promises and remember to do whatever he said. God has set his throne in heaven. He rules over all of us. He, he's the king. So bless God, you angels, ready to be able to fly at his bidding, quick to hear and to do what he says. Bless God, all you enemies, armies and, and of angels, alert to respond to whatever he wills. Bless God. All creatures, wherever you are, everything and everyone made by God. And you, O Israel, bless God. Father, for whatever words or statements have come to mind for us, we ask that you would help us to hold them carefully and with great intent that your words have spoken to us this morning. Amen. Amen. I am so grateful to be here this morning. I, I Honestly, I woke up this morning and I was like, I need to go and, and see God's people today. I, and honestly, as your pastor, do a little confession time. I don't always feel like that every Sunday morning. Okay, so so uh, it, it's it's a real thing. Honestly, sometimes we all want to just stay at home and stay in bed, right? And it's like this is hard. Sometimes you ever notice that? Sometimes community. Sometimes being the people. Sometimes even doing church and being the church is hard. It requires a choice, doesn't it? And, uh, and, and I, I find myself sometimes choosing the people of God. Not just God, but the people of God. It's a choice I make. And some days that's really easy, and some days that's really hard. And that's what life is like, actually. Uh, I don't think we need here to, to be here to wax on something good all the time, but I really do think that sometimes it's okay for us to say, this morning is hard, and I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus anyways. I just put that out there, that, that for me this morning, I woke up and was like, I have no idea who's on the list that's coming to this room, but I really pray that God will bless you this morning. That's really my intent. But we're also going to talk about some significant things, some kind of serious things, actually. And uh, we're, 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 we're on our sermon series, um, our four series 
and uh, we are filling in the blanks what God is for. What, what is Jesus for and what, what was God for? And, and we filled in the blanks on, on several things along the way, right? And, and one of the gifts, I think, that we get today is that we get to look back and we get to see the life of Jesus, the, the actual actions of Jesus. You know, the psalmist that we read this morning, David, he, he didn't have this luxury of being able to try to figure out what the heart of God was by looking at the example of, of the person of Jesus. He, he didn't have that. But we, we get that. And not only do we get one version of that, we get at least four versions of that, complemented by other individuals who saw, sought God and, and got to experience Jesus. You, you hear what I'm saying? Right? So, so, so we have this kind of gift. So, we, so we're looking at what does the Father care about? What is the Father for? Right? And now, here's what's interesting, and I said this the last time I preached, but I think it's our human nature to believe that, that um, if God is for something, right? This is important. That if God is for something, like a people or a person or, or a people group, or, or even if God is for a, a, a certain religion or a certain faith community, right? That, that he must mean that he is opposing another, right? We think that way. If he is for this, then he must not be for this, right? And our, our human nature loves to fill in the blanks in the middle. We do it without trying. And so, so in part, part of our topic for today is to say, what are the parts in the middle that you and I have filled in that may or may not actually be true of the heart of God and what God is for and what God is against? Okay, so, so I want to be really direct about that. What are the blind spots that have found their way into your story and my story and caused us to believe that, that, that God is for one thing and against another. That's a human thing. That's a human thing. But we're not actually talking about a human here. We're talking about God, the creator of all things. So let's leave him a little bit of room, okay, to reorient how we see things. That's, that's a little bit of kind of where we're going. All right, so, so um, and, and we all fall into that thinking. I, I definitely fall into that thinking. I fall into that thinking several times this week, in fact. Like, quite a few times this week. All right, trying to remind myself. It's like, even though I believe God is for this thing, right, he must want me to oppose and fight this thing, right? And there's been a few moments when I've had to go, okay, is that really what God wants of Evan? Right? So, so this is a hard, maybe this sermon is as much for me. So we see the life of Jesus, and we see where Jesus came from. Okay, and we see where he came from because it tells us what he cared about. He, he tells us what he was doing. So the first part of our sermon series was that Jesus was from Nazareth, a small town, a primarily Jewish town. A, 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 we could call it a, a pretty conservative town in, in Judaism. Okay? And then, then Jesus goes from that place, and he makes his way to Galilee. Now, now the, the region of Galilee is the opposite of that. It's the complete opposite of that. Galilee is this place of trade and commerce and all these things. All these different people, different faith groups, different ethnicities, they're all like rolling through, through Galilee and the region of Galilee. 
okay? It was like known, I, I preached that one, it, it was known as like the Galilee of the Gentile, which basically means the Galilee of the other, okay? Of the others, think about that. Jesus decided to make his way there, to the place of the other. It says something, right? It says something about, about what, he was, what he was like, what he was experiencing, okay? Then, from there, last week, Pastor Preston, I, I got to hand it to him, he's not here this morning, so we can talk about him. Because we all know that's what we do anyways, right? So, Man, he did a stellar job last week of talking about how God is for, right, the hurt and also for the, the hurter, right? It's a long-standing joke at Lakers that he usually gives me the hard sermons. And uh, boy, last week he took that one on and he did a fantastic job. I think he maybe needs to do more of the hard sermons, right? I, I was just very moved by what he had to say about the heart of God being for the hurt and also for the hurter. What a convicting Sunday that was. <laughs> yeah, this is a bit tricky, right? He did a good job of that. This week we talk about that, that Jesus was for Jerusalem. Jesus was for Jerusalem. Okay, now there was a lot of things happening in Jerusalem. And, and so I'm going to try to give you just a little bit of context of why we would say Jesus is for Jerusalem, okay, and, and, and I'm going to try to do it as quickly as I can, all right, so the context was that Jerusalem was a city, so we could assume it's just like every other city, right, no, not right, right, Jerusalem was more than a city, it is still in many ways more than a city, it is still more than a city, okay, here's what Jerusalem means and here's where we're going with this is that Jerusalem was and is still the religious hub of the world. All the major religions are present in Jerusalem. All of them. All of them kind of vying for, right? Their story to be heard louder than everybody else's. Okay? In Jesus' time, Jerusalem was the center of the, the, the temple was there. Like all the things were there. So when we say Jerusalem, what we actually have to remember or remind ourselves is that when Jesus was for, said he was for Jerusalem, he was saying he was for the religious powerhouse of the day. Okay? Now, I have talked about this before, and I always shock people when people talk to me about that they're not religious, and so they probably don't want to hang out with me or whatever, those kind of things. I'm not religious. I, I, I got to tell you, if there's ever been a real angst for me in my, in my life as a pastor, it's that I'm connected to religion. And, and it's super hard sometimes, right? Because I, I love my faith. I love God. I believe that God wants to shape and change and transform us into free followers of him. But I have this super big tension with religion. And, and I'm saying that kind of to get your attention a little bit because, because what I, uh, the way I understand religion is that religion is the system of knowing God. And I want us to have a system of knowing God. But I also recognize that the same system of knowing God that we have, that we follow, does harm. We do harm sometimes when we, when we pick up the agenda of God and we forget the heart of God. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so, so there's, a, there's a real tension for me. And I think there was a tension for Jesus. When Jesus says, I am for Jerusalem, and this is, it's hard for me to even preach this, Jesus was saying, I am for these religious institutions. And I don't like saying that. I've always promised that I would tell you when I don't like saying something. I don't like saying that. I have attention for me in this, okay? So, um, and, and, and we're not going to get much more into the, that part of this story because I really want you to hear the, the bigger story of what I think God and what Jesus was trying to do when he enters the city. When Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, he is entering into a space where he knew he was going to be opposed. He knew that he was going to a place that honestly wasn't going to like him very much. Right? Jesus stood kind of in the way of some of the systems, the, the, the law, so to speak, that, that, that they had come to believe, that they had actually come to believe was, was holy, was the way that they would experience their Father in heaven. Right? I actually think that this is the reason why Jesus came, actually. That, that, that the, the, the reason he came was to show Jerusalem, to show the religious world, that there was so much more to the heart of his father than there was to the law. You hear what I'm saying? I think this is why he came. He had to show it. It couldn't just be words. It had to be actions. And we're super blessed that we get to read about and see and study the actions of Jesus as well as, as the other. Right? Do you hear me? Okay. So, I'm going to try to move on here, right? So, so Jerusalem, in so many ways, represented a lot of things. It represented power. It represented the powerhouse, right? For, for them, in some ways, it represented freedom. You come, you do A, B, and C, you experience freedom. They had, they had come to understand that was one of the pathways to freedom, right? So, so there was all of these kinds of things that Jesus comes into this place. Okay, let's step out of this story for a second. Have you ever been in the mall or in a very public place, maybe not recently, and you come across a child who is clearly lost, has lost their parent? Hey, just show me so I can see. Have you ever, ever done this? Okay. Uh, this has happened to me quite a few times, right? And, um, and uh, they appear to be lost. You can see they're, they're super agitated, right? As a father, I see my child there. That's what I see. And I, as a father, every part of me wants to just scoop them up, right? Tell them, it's going to be okay. No problem. We're going to figure this out, right? We can, I will find your parents. I will help you. And every part of me wants to say to them, I'm safe. Don't worry, Right? Has anyone ever seen that actually work? Right? You just whoop, pick them up and they're all better? No. Right? So we, we have to think, and every time this has happened to me, I have to think, okay, this is kind of like, like a wild animal almost. Some children are. Okay. So, right? So, so I have to think, how do I approach this wild animal so as 
not to scare them and frighten them more than they already are. Right? So there's some things that we might do. Right? If, if, if this happened to us. So, so if this happened, um, maybe I might get down on one knee. I have no idea if I'm in the camera shot here or not. So I might get down on one knee. Am I still? I might get down on one knee so that I can look them in the eye. Right? We should remember that Jesus came down to earth to be present with us. To look us in the eye. I'm grateful that COVID doesn't take away our ability to look each other in the eye. It's really important. While I'm down there, I might try to give them some kind of like sign that I'm safe. Right? So I might ask them a question. How old are you? Oh, I have a daughter that age or I have a son that age. I might do the things that I need to do in order to help them feel safe. So that they might be able to see who I am, right? And that they are going to be okay. And then we might talk about how we could help them find their mother, their father, their whoever brought them there, right? I could see some of you here are nodding. I'm certain the people at home, they're like, yes, yes, amen, right? We would do that, right? So that we could help them find their way home or back to their loved ones, back to safety, back where they were created to be, right? We would do that, right? Sometimes I think we need to understand that that is exactly what Jesus was doing with us that that is exactly still what Jesus was doing. And it doesn't matter if you're in your 80s or if you're 8. That's what Jesus has been trying to do. So let's imagine that image now as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. He knows that he's going to be received not well, just like a child would not receive a stranger well, right? He knows that. And so he enters into the city in an effort to calmly and carefully help them to see who he was. John gives us some examples. The, the, the Gospel of John gives us several examples of kind of what that looks like. Going to Jerusalem was extremely strategic, knowing that this was a place where actually the leaders were going to be afraid of Jesus. But they weren't going to know it was fear. They didn't realize, they didn't have done the self-work, right? To recognize that inside of each of those religious leaders, at the heart of their reaction, was fear. So Jesus is trying to calmly and carefully come in. There's several stories that John covers. John is a great book to read uh, if, you're, if you're just opening your Bible for the first time, the Gospel of John is a great Gospel to read because it gives you the highlights of how God, how Jesus was demonstrating that he was God. So it, it jumps a bit, 
right? But it's showing you these things. So when we look at John, we're seeing the pinnacle of what John believed was happening. So there's a story in the book of John. It's in John 9, and I'm going to just very quickly kind of cover it. It's a pinnacle story in Jerusalem, okay? And, and Jesus uh, comes across blindness. Okay, so here's the context around blindness. Blindness in those days, they understood, was a result of sin. It was a byproduct of sin, right? And if they were born from blind, uh, born blind, which this particular gentleman was, then, then they saw it as a product of their parents' sin, right? And, and so this story kind, kind of shows up, right? Now, earlier in the Old Testament, the prophets had prophesied that the Messiah would come, that the Savior would come, and he would Give sight to the blind. Okay, this was like prophesied. So the religious leaders would have or should have been looking for somebody who was healing the blind. Right? And so they were anticipating, this is what I think they were anticipating. They were anticipating that the Messiah was going to show up. Right? He was going to be just exactly as they expected him to be. Right? And that he was, of course, going to come in and he was going to apply to share at the temple, you know. And, and, and once he had been properly vetted, right, and all of those things, that he wasn't going to say something crazy. Then they would give him a chance to share, you know, some small thing. And then, then as he worked his way into the whole system, right, then, then he, would, he would perform a magic trick in front of them all and he would, he would heal blindness. I'm being sarcastic, but, but this is what they anticipated, right? That the Messiah was going to come from within th their ranks. Do all the things in the right order, right? And then, and then perform this blind healing trick. And, and, and in typical true form, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. In typical, and get this, in the gentlest way possible. We don't usually hear this, but in the gentlest way possible. Jesus sees a blind man, and of course, you would take some mud and spit in it, smear your COVID all over it, and then rub it in this guy's eyes. That's what Jesus does. It's out on the street, right? He does it like this, of course, because that's what I would do for sure, okay? But he does this, and then he tells them, tells this guy, just go and wash in one of the public wash houses in town here. He doesn't do a grand spectacle healing. He doesn't do what they expected him to do. And I, I actually think he doesn't do that because he's actually trying to gently show them who he is. Not surprise them. Not cause them to lose face, right, in the temple where they're like, oh, he just did this thing, right? He does it gently out on the street. And it is not, not received well. It, it, it doesn't go well. And the story actually unfolds, and, it, and it's a tragic story, actually, that, that, that essentially they drag this guy into the temple. There's a hearing. It feels like a courtroom. They drag his parents into the temple. They try to prove that he wasn't blind in the first place. Then they try to blame try to prove it was he's not the guy, he's some other guy, that, that this is some big elaborate scheme, right? All these things take place inside of the temple. And as a result, 
the man is actually put outside of the temple. He's not allowed to stay inside the temple, the religious world. Right? What we see in this story is the religious leaders lack or failure to respond with compassion. They weren't able to do it. Right? They weren't able to do it. Kind of like a child who's lost likely would not respond to me with compassion. Even though I was doing, I would be doing the right thing. Even though deep in my heart I believe I'm a safe person. <laughs> right? And so they respond in this way. And they miss the love of God. Their deep sense of, of self-righteousness blinds them. And the story is actually meant to be these twofold things that actually we're supposed to do this story, read the story, and then come to the end and go, who is the blind in the story? Right? Did he actually heal blindness that day? Well, one kind. One kind. The other kind of blindness that day, so tragically, was not open to the possibility that they could not see. And so, the story becomes sadly a very tragic, tragic story. Right? I'm not going to fill in more of that story, but, but they were blinded by self-righteousness. Right? This beautiful miracle that Jesus performed turns into a giant hearing. And it wasn't a hearing to find the truth. It was a hearing to maintain the system that they had come to believe was the only way to holiness. It was the only way to holiness. Right? In many ways, Jerusalem still represents the center of, of the religious world. It is still a place in many ways where agendas are, are large and in charge. I've been there a couple of times. You see it. It is still a place, actually, that Jesus is for. Jesus was still and is still trying to demonstrate to the people there that he is for that place and that he is for this great religious construct. He just needs to realign it. We are still the people of God. We are a part of the religious machine. But we here in Chestermere, we have an opportunity to shift how people understand the religious machine. And we don't just do it here in this room. We don't just do it by, by paying your two pastors to, to represent that. You do it and I do it by the way that we love and we care for our community, the way that we listen to our narratives, to other people's narratives rather, right? We can, just like there, we can lose sight as a church 
we can lose sight of the meaning of this and talk a lot about the means of how we do church. We can. It happens. Right? We can get focused on, on running this thing. Right? Or even focus on how we don't like how this thing is being run. It happens. It happens. Right? And we, we can do that so much so that we can come to be blind. And we can miss, actually, the very things that Jesus is trying to set out and set in our community. We can miss, actually, the very thing that Jesus is trying to free in you and free in me. It, it can happy, happen. We can very easily forget that we actually are a messy people who is just trying to experience the love of God and his people. We can forget that. We can. I can. Right? God is very much for the church. Can't believe I'm saying that sometimes. God is very much for the church, the religious structure. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe it needs to be corrected. But he is not against it. I have to remind myself of that. Oh man, the amount of times I have forgotten that we are about listening for the heart of God and I have gotten focused on running this machine. It's, it's sad how many times that happens to me in a day. Like in one day. <laughs> I can forget that. Right? What was missed among these religious leaders is that they had stopped. They were no longer asking themselves some, some key, key questions. And one of the key questions that they weren't asking them, themselves were, what are we missing? What are we missing in this story? This healing, what are we missing, right? In their case, I would suggest that what, one of the things that they were missing, one of the things that, that had happened to them was that they were focused on, tra on their tradition. They got focused on their tradition, what they had become used to. Right? Jesus didn't do what they thought he would do. He didn't fit. He didn't work with their tradition. It's the first thing I think that they missed. Right? I think they missed actually that they were quite selfish. I put myself in the same category. They were quite selfish. Right? Jesus wasn't exactly what they wanted. Think about that for a second. Jesus wasn't exactly what they wanted. How many times in your story and my story have we had to step back and go, if we're really honest, say, Jesus, you're, you're, not, you're not what I wanted. Right? It wasn't exactly what they wanted. I think one of the things that caused their blindness is, is their sense of security. They, they liked the law. They liked that A plus B equaled C. They liked that. I think we like that too. <laughs> I think we like that too. Anyone like A plus B equals C? Right? I wish that's how God worked. It hasn't been true in my life. But I wish it was. It would be so much easier. Do this, 
this happens, and I get this. Formula. Jesus didn't follow formulas. It just didn't work for him very well, right? He didn't follow patterns. I think ultimately their blindness was caused by their inability to see their fear, their internal fear, which resulted in their desire to have power and control. I'm going to tell you something crazy. When you feel the need to be powerful or to demonstrate control over anything or anyone, there's a little trick. It should be telling you that you are afraid of something. So the question we should ask ourselves then when we feel like we want to control something, or we want to have power over something is, what's, what's the fear? What is happening here? Because there's fear here. This is what God is wanting to control. This is what God is wanting to address. Take away the fear, the control and the power hunger thing will go. It'll happen every time. It is A plus B almost. Almost. Okay? They weren't able to see that. Right? Yeah. Once all of that happens, when we fall into those traps, whether it's, you know, a tradition, our sense of security, our desire to control or have power, guess what happens? We become the child that Jesus is trying to address. Jesus represents himself to us mostly in tension, mostly in pain, mostly in ordinary life. We all love the testimonies, right, where, where God showed up because I climbed to the top of a mountain and there he was and it was beautiful, right? Like we love those stories. That's not actually where Jesus shows up mostly. That is the beauty of God's creation overwhelming you, oftentimes. God is with you when you wash the dishes. <laughs> or you have to get up at four in the morning to take care of your child. Right? Or you got conflict at work or whatever that might look like. Those are the places where Jesus is entering. And we know that, not because he said it, but because he did it. It was the action of Jesus that, that demonstrates that to us. Okay, so um, what does that look for, like for us, right? We've all fallen subject to this, right? Here's what we need to do when this happens. Please, if you could remember anything from this day, remember this. Jesus is for you. And when Jesus is for you, when all the things start to overwhelm, your sense of security, your tradition, or all those things, the foundation is that he will hold you up as you let some of those things fall to the side. We can do life without being in complete and total control of every moment. We follow Christ. He wants for us the very, very best. Okay, I'm going to wrap up like this. Two things. The first thing is I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to spend a week or two praying. And I'm going to give you some people specifically to pray for. They're going to start with the leaders at Lake Ridge. We need you to pray for us as leaders at Lake Ridge. That doesn't just mean Preston and I and Tara and Eric. That means our leadership team. 
right? People like Corrine, who's here today, like Ryan, who's here today, right? Who else is here? Like Jack, who's here? We're missing Patrick. Lisa was here. We need you to pray for these people. Pray, actually, that they will not lose sight, that we will not lose sight, that we are a people that's messy and believes that we are are doing our best to hear the voice of God, the heart of God. Not just in our church structure and function, but in our own individual lives. Please pray for that. It's a crazy time. It is very easy for us as leaders to forget that we are still the people of God. Still seeking the heart of God and community. That for those leaders, this isn't just about running this thing and hoping we have enough volunteers. Pray for Jan and Sam in the children's ministry. Pray for Cesar as he leads us on our worship team. Right? The list can go on. Our mighty neighborly team, for our serve team, for our connections team, our coffee team. These, all of these ministries have individual leaders who are desperately trying to keep some of these great things we do alive. They could easily forget that God is still present. So I ask you to pray for them. I do. We need it. I'm not even going to apologize for that. We need it. Then the second thing I'm going to ask you to pray for is pray for yourself. Pray that you might not become too focused on the institution of the church or on your own life circumstances so much so that you can no longer hear or see God working in your midst and in the midst of those around you. We need it. Blindness is a thing right now. It came with the pandemic. Let us pray that God would help us to see. We need it. We all need it. Those of us in this room, those on the thing, on the internet, all those people out there, but also our community. Man, our community needs to see. They do. There's no other way for them to see than through the voice and hands of the people of God. It's us. So how can we do that? What can that look like? We need this in our life and story. I'm grateful that you decided to join us this morning, whether it's in this place or on your, on your device at home. Just like Jerusalem, God is for us. He is for this place. God is for this city. And believe it or not, we are one of the sole representatives in this city. We really are. There are three churches in our city. Three. We've got to do this. God invites us to experience his heart and his joy and his love. And he invites us to share it with others. Sometimes that's going to come in listening. Sometimes that's going to come in hands-on feeding. It's going to come in a lot of ways. Let us be the people who see that, right? Let us not become confused people who get stuck in a rut of religion, but that we might always seek the heart of God and live that out in our life and our story. Amen? All right, let me pray. God, thank you so much that you are a God who joins us, who meets us in this place. Thank you, God, that you are for Lake Ridge, that you are for 
church. God, thank you that you came or sent your son to not just be about words, but to be about action. God, show us the places in our life and our story where blindness has overcome us so we might be able to see and experience you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to sing. We're not going to sing. No? We're not going to sing. I'm going to give the benediction. So would you please stand? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace as you go from this place, knowing that God is for you. Amen? Amen. Hey, just a quick reminder. We encourage you to head out as you leave today to head out that exit door. Parents, you still need to pick up your kids, so please go get your kids if they're in the kids' wing. And, uh, man, have a great Thanksgiving. Have a good week. With fire in our eyes.